welcome to the Ready to Talk podcast. I am your host, Trixie, aka the Thoughtful Beast. This is another recording I did years ago with a good friend that I thought would be wonderful to bring to this podcast because it's about dating someone with a mental illness. I did this with my lovely friend Ramon. He used to dance with me in San Diego and I miss him so much. I am the person with a mental illness in a relationship, so I thought it would be interesting to hear the other side in someone else's relationship because I'm never going to interview my boyfriend about myself. That's too much. That's enough talking. So let's listen. Hi. So I was born and raised in San Diego, California. I'm 30 years old. Um, I danced for the majority of my life. And now I just recently in the past year, I think, yeah, past year and a month, I moved over here to Cincinnati, Ohio. And mm, let's see, I'm a big foodie. I love cooking. I just recently finished culinary school. Well, the, like the certificate area. And now mm-hmm. I'm working at a the learning kitchen, which teaches people how to cook because I'm a big, passionate teacher more than wanting to work in a kitchen. So um, oh. I... Huh? So go, go ahead, go ahead, go oh. ahead. I am in a polyamorous relationship, so I actually have two husbands. Um, their name is Carl, Carl and Josh. Um, I've been with them for 10 years. They've been together for 15 years. I used to quote 12 years. I'm actually really bad at numbers. So 15 <laughs> years they've actually been together. <laughs> um, Good. We have two two cats, Jack and Jill. They're cute always taking photos of them. Uh, and I think that's mostly it. Yeah. Wunderbar. Unless there's uh, some... No, I was just going to tell them that uh, you're an amazing teacher. Ramon is a wonderful oh, teacher. He's a wonderful dance teacher. Um, and I'm assuming, I, I'm sure that translates to when you teach at other places, I need to see. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was like, it's, I want to finish my sentence. Um, But yeah, Ramon is a wonderful, (laughs) wonderful teacher. I've seen him teach many children and adults. um, And he just, he just gets it. Not everyone's a good teacher. Um, Ramon is definitely a good teacher. So yes. Oh, thank you. Uh, So Ramon, today, thank you for that thorough, thorough introduction to yourself. (laughs) Um, I want to have Ramon back to actually talk about multiple things that he mentioned. But today, he's here to talk about dating someone with a mental illness. Uh, Yes, we had many topics that I wanted Ramon to speak to, but uh, we both found this one really interesting and great to start for right now. And so, oh, before we actually talk about that, Ramon, do you want to talk a little bit about what mental illness you actually have? So I struggled with a lot of um, anxiety attacks when I was younger, and I still kind of do. They're not as bad as before, but I just have really bad anxiety, and I have, um, I don't think this is a mental disorder, but I've always had abandonment issues. I'm sorry, what issues? There's those abandonment issues. Abandonment issues. Yes. And so I don't think that, I don't know if that's considered a mental disorder or just, um, it might, it might be considered it, yeah. like a symptom, maybe. There we go. That's more of the word I was thinking. But yeah, mostly anxiety. And I mean, I fought depression. 
real bad when I was young, but I feel like a lot of these things happened when I was young and I found ways to, to not cope with them, but to have them under control. That's good. That's a thing. Yeah. It's, it takes that's a lot good. of practice, honestly, a lot of self practice. Yes, that is very true. I agree with that. Um, but you're here to actually talk about though. You do have a mental illness too. The person you are dating has a mental illness. Oh. But you're like, yeah, the person you're with has a mental illness. Oh, okay. So you want me to talk about, okay. So he has really bad anxiety and depression and, um, so I've always thought that I had kind of bad anxiety. I mean, I've had, you know, um, attacks, anxiety attacks, but Josh himself has a pretty high level anxiety, like just a, a cop driving by and he starts to shake and like that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And that's one of his triggers is um, police officers and stuff. So, yeah. And how long have you it's... been dating him or been with him? Oh, 10 years. 10 years dating him uh well i want to say f five years being his boyfriend five to six years and then before that it was just not a serious relation like it was a uh can i say this a fuck buddy yes you can say your truth okay. <laughs> well it's the truth so yeah you can say it he was, yes he was it was supposed to be just you know fun and games because when he was um him and carl together there they were in an open relationship so mm -hmm. Josh was allowed to go and play with other people, and I was one of them. And so that was how our relationship started in the first few years. So I didn't really, I knew he had anxiety, but it wasn't something that I was like, oh, he's my boyfriend. I have to help him with this. I was more like, oh, that's kind of sad. There's your boyfriend. <laughs> oh, okay. So <laughs> it, what... sounds, it, it sounds really neat. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. What? So, I'm sorry, did he have anxiety when you first met? Like, did you know that? Um, he's always been really open about the anxiety. He's mm. never been ashamed of anything. I, I think that's his way of um, coping with it. It's just letting everyone know, too. Like, it's one, it, he doesn't like to hide it. It's one of those things, like, if he just lets people know, they'll understand why he acts this way around the situation i'm sorry so, can you repeat that one more time you could add a little bit it's okay Hold on. um i was just saying that no you're cutting out again and he's never really been ashamed of it like he lets people know just because can, can you hear me uh yeah sorry can you start over one more time you cut out again yeah my phone's acting a little weird hold on one second Testing, can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. So I was saying um, he never was ashamed of his anxiety. He never, like, hid it from anyone. And so I think that's his way of letting people know around him, like, hey, if I act a little weird or if I start shaking or if um, I look like I'm in fight or flight mode, it's because I'm having an anxiety problem. Just So he's never been ashamed or lit. So when I first met him, he did tell me, oh, I have really bad anxiety. And I was so, yeah, he's never not told me. I've known since day one, pretty much. <laughs> That's cool. And do you feel like that was helpful for you? 
You know what? It did because it's first of all, I'm not a big believer of like hiding a lot of things. Like, yeah, I understand if you're hiding things because you're afraid or shameful, but if it's just out and about and you just tell it the way it is, I give more respect to that because that means that like, first of all, you're very truthful to yourself. That means you honest yourself. Mm -hmm. And second of all, that makes it easier for everyone around you to know what to do if something like if you were to meet someone there, they start having a seizure in front of you, you freak out, you're going to call the cops. But if it's something that they hassle through all the time and, you know, people actually carry cards that say, please don't call the ambulance. I have a seizure. It's normal. Just give me a minute. Yeah. People do do and so like it, I think it's really especially with like anxiety, like as bad as he has it. I'm happy he did tell me early in the beginning because then I could just be like, oh, that's an anxiety attack. Oh, he's having fight or flight mode problem right now. Like, yeah, it did help. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, it, I mean, it sounds like it would be helpful. And it's cool that he's self-aware enough because people do freak out. Some people are not ready. Like, and it's fair because, I mean, how would you ever be ready if you were, if you just never experienced that before? Well, and then there's some people out there that don't even know what, what's ha like, if they don't even know what an anxiety attack is. So when they have one, they don't know what that is. Mm, That's yes. why it's important to understand what these things are and vocabulary. I, I'm a big person on vocabulary, you know, cause that helps us put words to something. And yeah. then after that, it, it feels something normal because that means somebody else has this, somebody else has gone through this. So now you, it feels like, oh, I'm not the only one in this. Yes. I agree. I agree with that with labels. I feel like, you know, a lot of the time labels are bad <laughs> because it's like, oh, stereotypes and stuff. But I feel like in terms of like knowing what's happening and having a name for what you're suffering, like I feel like that's super helpful just because of what you said. Like you're not alone. This is like a medical thing. You're not like a freak or you're broken or anything. It's just like no. something real is happening. So labels in that way can really help. It's your body, and we all came into this world with a different manual, a manual book for our bodies. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I grabbed my video when I was supposed to. Sorry. Um, okay. So what, what happened when you first experienced, like, a really bad anxiety attack with Josh? So my first time, I probably wasn't, I know Carl was there, so I wasn't really hands-on on what to do there. Carl was more of the one, because like I said, we're in a polyamorous relationship, and that kind of, you know, helps sometimes when you have another person there that been through it. So mm -hmm. Carl, Carl was more like, you know, touching and calming him down and stuff, and just being there for him. But I was more like, uh, this is interesting. <laughs> and were you I was, were, I you was guys, a fly on the wall were you his boyfriend at this time or were you guys just dating at this point I think we were just fuck buddies at that time okay and so this big he had a big anxiety attack and you were a fly on the wall yeah because I mean I've had anxiety attacks before and I was able to like talk myself through it because when you have an anxiety attack there's different types of anxiety attacks there's by a lot like the biological anxiety attack where your body goes into fight or flight mode. 
or there's the the in the head anxiety attack where you start thinking irrational thoughts and you start going through like circle of thoughts mm -hmm. and you can't get out of that loop so i think that one was a very mental anxiety attack so it's just breaking that loop in their head and I Carl did that very well and i was kind of learning how to how to help with his anxiety by watching how carl helped with it and i totally forgot the question <laughs> you answered the question <laughs> I was asking, like, what was it like, basically? Oh, yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of scary. I mean, in a way, it was scary because, and you feel helpless because you're not in that brain with him trying to fight these thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> like, the only thing you could do is be there, like, be present. It's really, you could do, like, there, yeah. Yeah, I kind of, like... Sometimes it's hard because, like, you want to help, but there's, like, there's nothing you can actually do. Like, right now, it's like you can only do so much. Yeah. And it gets frustrating. But, I mean, it there's... is what it is. Yeah. How do you feel? Well, how did you feel? Because you said you already had ex experience with anxiety. So when you first had this experience with a bigger anxiety attack for Josh. How did it make you feel about your own anxiety or did you, did it trigger your own anxiety? So it didn't. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can't hear you. So it didn't trigger me to have an anxiety. I mean, I did like freak out because I'm like, well, this is more intense. My own anxiety attacks that I've had. I mean, I've had anxiety attacks where I was banging my head against the wall and crying. And stuff but i i kind of knew what my triggers were at that for that but for him it was just it was really bad shakes really sweaty and like i felt very helpless like you don't know what to do like you just the only thing you do is hug them and hold them really mm -hmm. but it didn't it didn't trigger me to have an anxiety as much it kind of made me realize okay, I'm not, like I said before, I'm not the only person going through these anxiety attacks and everyone kind of struggles with their own type of anxiety and how they fight it and what their body does. So I learned more about anxiety through him because of his anxieties, which is kind of weird, but yeah, like seeing him and seeing his triggers kind of made me understand, oh, okay, I can see my own triggers and I can figure it out myself from anxiety too That's you learn cool. from each yeah and so how was how did you learn his triggers how did you go about learning his triggers so definitely talking through it like he tells me what 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 his triggers are he lets me know and also on top of that just being around him and seeing his patterns and what happens when something like one of his triggers like i said before is a cop cops are really bad he has he has nightmares about cops chasing so when i see a cop around i don't i don't like freak out myself and turn to him and go like oh my god are you okay <laughs> i <laughs> let me that. make it worse <laughs> yeah exactly people I, mean, I feel like people with anxiety also like feed off of other people's energy very well mm -hmm. like i'm a big energy person like if you if you're sad, I'm going to feel it. If you're happy, I'm going to be happy with you. I've always fed, fed off of it. But 
but so when that when a cops goes by, I don't turn and scream, "Are you okay?" I just kind of feel how he's feeling at that moment. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get in tuned with the other person, and you, that's how you learn their triggers. You get in tune with them. You about them. Um, you just start to understand them. You you see the patterns. Like humans are very big on patterns. We do a lot of things over and over. We're all about patterns. What advice would you give someone who is maybe like having a hard time figuring out their SOS triggers and patterns? So I was thinking about this the other day, um, <laughs> like trying to figure out how to figure out somebody else's triggers. It's first of all, they have to kind of be responsible and figure out their own triggers, really, because they're the ones in their own head. They're the ones that know what's happening when some something occurs. But you for yourself, <laughs> I wouldn't keep a journal, like a physical journal. <laughs> like, that kind of feels kind of weird, like you're writing a journal about your partner. Um, but I would just be more aware of what happens when things occur. Like, especially when an anxiety attack does happen, try to think about what happened before that and what might have triggered it. Because now that's your partner. That To me, your partner is your witness to life. So you you are seeing everything they're seeing. So really, you're, you're almost, you're one. You're one person. You have mm-hmm. to start seeing life through their eyes as well and what triggers happen with them. Because sometimes they don't even notice the trigger. Like, that's mm-hmm. happened before, I think, with Josh. Like, he didn't even notice he was getting a trigger. And I'm like, uh, I think that's an anxiety attack. And he's like, oh, yeah, that totally is. It happens to Carl too. Like he, Carl doesn't get as many anxiety attacks as Josh does. He gets, well, okay. Well, actually, he does. He gets this thing called dumping, which is not an anxiety attack. That's um, that's for his stomach thing when he starts to like sweat a lot and have a fever. I'm like, I think you're dumping, which is an insulin, dump, which is a totally different thing, by the way. But <laughs> triggers. It's still a trigger, though. I know when it triggers, and sometimes you need that extra eyes on the side to know that a trigger is happening. Mm-hmm. I feel like it helps because you guys can talk, right? Because he's so open. Oh, yes. And I think when we have a different conversation about polyamorous thing, our biggest thing is talking and knowing everything. Like, Josh sometimes is, like, doesn't get annoyed, but I tell him everything that's on my mind all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, constantly. I'll be at work and I text him something. It's like, was that really nice? I'm sorry, but, you cut off a little bit. Was that really what? Was that really necessary to text me that in that that thought that you had? I'm like, I just like to, you know, let people know what I'm thinking. But <laughs> that's that's the thing is that we talk about everything all the time. So it's being informed. It's I what's in my head, I know how do I I other people don't know what's happening in my head, so I have to let them know. Maybe they'll find a pattern that I haven't. Mm. And so, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, just, just talk, talking and talking. I know it's annoying, but, and sometimes it's like the, I just, it's, I know it's easy just to say, oh yeah, just talk to your partner. And it's actually really difficult to share your feelings with another person, mm-hmm. but it's going to feel a lot better after. Yeah. 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 No, I mean. I'm like that too. Like I, I'm very open about what's happening with my 
when like I get triggered or just like what's happening with Joey because I also I don't want him to be blindsided Mm -hmm. because I know sometimes like I'll just get triggered and become like despondent um, or I'll disassociate and that's happened like a few times and it sucks because it's just like it sucks for everybody (laughs) it sucks because I'm going through it and it sucks for him because He's 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 in the, he's in the dark. He doesn't yeah, know what's happening. Yeah, he doesn't know what's happening. So I try as much as I can, like especially when I'm having a bad time, and it sucks because I don't want to be like, oh, like I'm sad. Like I I don't like. There's nothing wrong with saying your feelings, but because like I I naturally don't want to do that because I am that person who's just like let's let's cover it up, you know, <laughs> like let's just hide those feelings, um, because that's how I naturally want to be. Um, it's hard for me to just tell him when I'm doing not great, but I try to very much because I'm just like, hopefully that way it will prepare you if something happens. Maybe yeah. not fully, but at least like you're like aware, you know, and then that way too, he can kind of be a little more observant of me. Um, yeah, he can be a little more observant of me because shit is hard. <laughs> oh, completely. And it, and it, it does help because now your partner like you said they're they're gonna be kind of prepared if something like an anxiety attack happens or but Mm -hmm. um it's just letting your partner know like it's i was gonna say something very interesting for you i'm sorry no it's okay take that take a second to think about it i'm gonna drink water (laughs) (laughs) no i i think well oh yeah like um it's kind of if your partner doesn't know what's happening either it's you're causing them to kind of have their own little mini anxiety attack as well like that's what happened with me and josh before like he is about to have like a trigger and something's happening and i feel it but it he's he's like he left to work right after that happened i'm like oh my gosh what was he having anxiety about is it something that i did and then i start going through my own anxiety problems (laughs) and so like that has happened before and what broke it was literally me texting him, hey, I just wanted to say I love you and I hope you're having a good day at work. And then he'll text me back being like, I was just having a really bad anxiety attack or really bad anxiety before I left and blah, 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 blah. But this really helped me. Thank you. And then like just that one sentence totally broke this whole cycle of thoughts that we we're having for like almost an hour until yeah. I text him. And then it just broke it. Like sometimes you just need to say something. Yes. So how? Didn't tell sorry, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like, so that's why it's really important, like just to breaking the ice. Like, it, sometimes like it's just a simple question of, "Hey, how are you doing?" Like, just asking that breaks that ice to let them be like, "Oh, I'm feeling like." Yeah. Yeah. How do you? How do you keep supporting Josh and like stay healthy yourself? Like, you just were talking about how, like, you would start getting into your head about that and into your anxiety. So how do you keep it, how do you support him and keep that from becoming, like, a negative thing for you? Um, Just really knowing that, like, these are his struggles. This is what he's going through. That's his triggers. Because sometimes, you know, I do feel like when I see a cop drive by, I start getting anxiety. <laughs> So I understand that question. Like, yeah, it's 
it might end up being my triggers, right? But just knowing that it's them that they're having, like it's theirs, not yours. So keeping like that separation. Yeah, very sep separate those things from you. And also like just, well, I know with my own anxiety and my own problems, having myself time by myself really helps. Like just being on your own time and just, I don't know, just having self-care to, to, yeah, just having self-care. Yeah, I feel like that's so important, especially, like, when you're, sub I feel like sometimes what happens is that people feel bad. Like, if they're dating someone who's depressed, they feel that, like, well, I can't be sad because they're sad. Like, I can't get depressed because they're depressed. And it's just like, no, you you get to have your feelings and you should have your feelings because that's how oh, yeah. i feel like people get bitter or people like end up letting themselves become a doormat and the other person's not even trying to make them a doormat it's just happening yep you know um that's a very dangerous path yes it's such a dangerous path and it's uh it's it's so i always uh, i always just I tell Joey, like, all the time, I'm like, dude, I would not be offended if you needed to see a therapist because you have to deal with being part of, like, like you know, like, probably, like, the biggest person in my support, like, system because you, you live with me. You're my boyfriend. Like, you're yeah. with me so much. And, like, he... There's only so many people who have, like, seen me have any sort of breakdown, yeah. And he's seen, I feel like, the most. Like, I have little, literally before, like, collapsed from standing onto the floor in front of him. <laughs> like, and he was just like, oh my god. <laughs> and I was just like, I can't get up. <laughs> I'm stuck. Um, but, uh, yeah. But Joey's so in tuned with himself and with you. Like, he... I feel like he's a great supporter. I, I haven't, you know, seen him, you know, or you guys in that stage, but I feel like he's a really good supporter, the, the little that I know of him. Yeah, and he is, like, I feel like it really helps that he's in tune with himself. Yeah. Like, I like when you said that, I was like, yeah, be in tune with yourself. <laughs> like, that's going to help. Um, well, I don't know if he's ever had, has, does he struggle with anxiety? Oh, I, I mean, he's had things where like in college, like FOMO was a huge thing for him. Like, yes, I want to say yes, but I don't know if he would, if he had anxiety, you know what I mean? I don't know if at some point he would ever be, he would have ever been diagnosed with anxiety, but I know mm. he's had anxieties that like were really hard for him. Like, he yeah. went to a really difficult school and had a really difficult major. And to, like, to this day, he says sometimes he still has stress dreams. Oh, and, like, yeah. he's back in school. And I'm like, that's so long ago. And that sucks. Um, yeah. Not good. And, but I know that, like, FOMO was, like, a big anxiety of his when he was younger. Like, yeah, because I was going to say, like, I feel like people who've had anxiety start dating someone with anxiety has a more understanding and a more uh, just just mindfulness of what it is 
Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Like, if you've never, like, if you never had, like, if your whole life you've never seen someone have an anxiety attack, and then you start dating someone and they have their first one, you're like, I, I probably freak out and be like, what the heck's wrong? Like, it's, it's, when you get an anxiety attack, like, it gets, your body goes into fight or flight mode, and it's just, it's intense. <laughs> oh my god. I only had, I feel like I've only had one full out panic, like, attack in my life, like, because usually I shut down, I don't, like, nothing you comes out, I just shut down, yeah, I, I disassociate, um, but the one time I had a panic attack, all I did was puke, I just started really? puking, because I started, well, sorry, I started crying, and then I started, um, hyperventilating, and then it just turned into puking for, like, 20 minutes, <laughs> that's all I did. I didn't, I mean, I remember hyperventilating and, like, gagging a lot, but with, with Josh, he doesn't puke, he just, he shakes a lot. Really? He shakes yeah. a lot, and his eyeballs are moving everywhere, and so he's, I think he's opposite, where you shut down, he goes into complete fight-or-flight mode, like. Yeah, like sensory overload, sensory He just overload. wants to run, like, all he wants to do is run. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like. That fight-or-flight is strong. Dude, like that innate feeling, and then when you can't, too, like it's just oh my god, it feels like so weird to like want to run away, and then you're like stuck, but you freeze. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like oh, and yeah. you're just like what? <laughs> Your body freaks and, um, out. I mean, he he gets to the point where he blacks out and doesn't remember um saying anything to me. Um, Ooh, one of our too. big big um anxiety attacks was when he uh, we were in las vegas and he um he was just, we were just having like trigger after trigger after trigger that day it was really bad oh, man. <laughs> so um by the time we got to the hotel we were trying to relax and calm down from all of that he takes us a hit of his of um a hit off of his vape and mm -hmm. we're in a non-smoking room and so the smoke goes close to the to the siren or the carbon monoxide reader mm -hmm. and the whole uh, hotel sirens start going off they're saying they're going to shut down part of the hotel and he thinks it's him he thinks that he's causing this because of the smoke and really bad panic attack and like he doesn't he started talking to me about like wanting to go see a therapist and stuff but after all this probably like a week or so later i started talking to him about it he doesn't remember any of that like, the fact that your body goes into that kind of stage, like, that's very, like, he wasn't drunk. We weren't, there, it was, this was, like, at noon. And mm. we're, in, we're in big family. We're not there to get drunk. So he's not, like, party drunk, hung over or anything. Yeah, it's crazy what your body will do to protect itself. It's just, like, we need to shut down. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I remember having anxiety attacks, but I don't remember ever blacking out. I remember, which I don't know if I want to remember them. <laughs> I, I know. It's like a scary time when you're like, uh, is there something I'm just, like, pushing down into oblivion? <laughs> that, yeah. that's, that scary thought passes me every so often. And I'm like, I need to not think about this or I'm going to send my anxiety flying. Yeah. Um... Well, that's really difficult. And so after that, he didn't remember 
talking about therapy, but did you try to ask him to go or did you try to follow up with that? Um, he, he went to a few therapy sessions. Um, we're still in the process of looking for one because every time he goes to a therapist, and I've never gone to therapy, I've kind of figured it out. I'm sorry, you cut out a little bit. What did you say? That's okay. I said I never went to therapy myself just because as a Mexican family, we don't do that. <laughs> so I kind of figured out how to fix it myself, which I think I've done pretty well. Which is funny because when I go now that I go and like look at like anxiety, how to help it and stuff, all those practices that I did as a kid, I totally that like it's the same thing as they said. Write a journal down, trigger, find your triggers, see what happens like during the anxiety, what happens before the anxiety, what happens after the anxiety, like all those I kind of did on my own. That's but, cool um, that you figured that out for yourself. Yeah, it, it it was a lot of trial and error, and I think a lot a lot of it did help with them. Um, I mean. Dancing and doing physicality stuff does help because it tires you out and it does balance your hormones down a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I know, I know after I've danced or something, I always felt better after that. There was nothing bringing me down. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you ever feel, cause I, I, I feel that so bad where I feel like I, that dance and working out anything physical really helps me with my mental health because it keeps my anxiety down. Like, I know it helps me with my depression, too, but I feel like when I get sick or injured and I can't dance, there's just so much energy left in my body and it turns into just breaking down and having, like, like, yeah. ah, like I just feel, like, anxious all the time because I'm like, well, what, oh, am, I told what am I supposed to do now? Like, I'm just here. Totally. Like, I remember when, even when we had, um, a show and then we had hiatus for like a week or so yeah it was fine the first two three days but that like doing nothing so hard sorry you're cutting out again that's okay i was just saying um i remember after shows when we had a hiatus for like a week or so mm -hmm. just like the first two days i'd be fine but then like after that my body would just be like hey i can't just do nothing my body's been going up and up the whole time like getting ready for this show and then to sit and do nothing you're you, I can't. It's hard. Yeah, it's really it's really difficult. Like the rest is nice, exactly for like, like two days, and then I'm like, I need something to do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, because this energy needs to go to somewhere. Yep. Instead I've of just my head. In, um, I I don't remember where I got this from, but um, energy currents. Mm -hmm. So your body has, I always say, a hundred, um, energy points. <laughs> probably from a video game. Probably got this from a video <laughs> game, but. <laughs> And then you dip, you get to decide where you put those energy currencies in throughout the day. Mm. Like, okay, I got work today, so I'm going to put 60 into the work currency. Or if I'm, and then I'll put the 20 into my partner, 10 into myself. Always put some to yourself. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's how I spread out, like, my energy. And we kind of do this in in dance as well. We do a whole big production. And, like, the, the month before the production, we start to look through the dance and going, like, okay, this is going to tire me so much. This section's gonna tire me out so much. I'm gonna save my energy in the section before it to give into that energy. So we kind of do that in dance too. Yeah. I don't know if you do that. No, I do that. There are times where it's like if I know one section is just like I need to beast through this. Like if I let my energy go down at least at, at all during the section, it will look bad. Like I'll just be yeah. late or I just you know I won't have it. So 
like before the sections before it's not like I'm not going full out but I'm just like I need to be efficient here the most efficient ever so that later on this is really where I'm gonna like I guess attack the movement or do whatever that's necessary Um, because yeah you can't run at a hundred unless maybe I take caffeine again (laughs) (laughs) the two hour show or like this is done in half an hour why is this done in half an hour because Trixie had caffeine. <laughs> we went double time. Um, oh, my God. I can't imagine because I've never, like, for shows and stuff, like, I don't do that. Like, I don't take caffeine. I don't do anything special. I just make sure that I've eaten enough before it. Um, I will tell you this. I would never – I don't I don't think I – well, yeah, I drink coffee if I know the, the, the piece is, like, set and I'm fine with it. And I'm like, okay, I could totally do this in my sleep. Then I'll drink some coffee. But if it's something that's, like – I'm still a little worried about. I won't drink coffee because that extra energy is going to tip me off a little bit. Watch. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, nope. Got to be focused. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Caffeine! (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, that that extra energy sucks. Like, um, yeah, and working out really helps me. Lifting weights. Like, and I don't get to do that right now because I don't have, like, a gym membership or anything. But lifting heavy weights really helps me um, because it's a lot. It takes a lot of energy, but I have to focus too, or I'll just hurt well, yeah. it all over myself. Well, that on top of that, um, when you're work, when you're doing weightlifting, your body is still doing a lot of recovery after your weightlifting is rebuilding all those all those um, muscles you just torn. Mm-hmm. So your body is still working after. I mean, yeah, when you do cardio, your body is your heart's still working out after that, but it's not recovering muscles as much. So now your body is taking all those proteins you ate that day and turning into muscle fibers. Yeah. So I feel like when you do workout, like bodybuilding workout, you're you're still using energy after that. Yes. Yes, you are. You are. That's one of the. <laughs> that's one of the reasons I was taught in whatever you want to call my training that, like you know, tell people to do weightlifting and stuff because it does keep burning more calories afterwards because yep. your body is doing more things. Like cardio, yep. you'll have like a little bit left over, but I mean, it's basically when you're doing cardio, that's when the calories are burning, and then it pretty much stops, like when you stop. Uh, yeah it's true i mean and then muscles always burn a lot more than fat does yeah but if you have more muscle on you you're going to be burning more calories and some old more yes yes there's another reason to build your muscles um okay (laughs) um i actually have a question um what advice because i know you said you don't really go to therapy but josh wanted to go to therapy um how do you think someone should go about, you know, talking to their significant other about getting professional help? Like, if you think they need mm. it. How to? Because mm. I know for, like, a lot of people, like, it's hard because you don't want to tell people what to do. But I also know yeah. that, you know, like, a lot of people, like, they feel lost. Like, if they don't know anything... Um, about mental health and then they're just trying to deal with like say people's panic attacks or breakdowns and they don't they honestly just don't know what to do so you know um, they want to be like well professional help because you want to give 
you want them to get the care that you can't give them. You know, yeah. like if you're not ready, like that's not a bad thing. That's just truth. And like, it's hard because it's really when they're ready too. Mm-hmm. You can't just like it's it's hard to bring up something like that. Like, hey, I think you should go see a therapist mm-hmm. because it, it's something that they have to come to like come to realization that they have to go find help. So it, yeah, it is a hard thing to talk about. That is a good question. <laughs> I've just been like thinking about it lately. Cause like, I, I mean, I haven't been in this position yet. Cause I'm usually the person with the mental illness, but I, and like, and I, you know, I go to therapy. I've gone to therapy a lot. Like I'm really about therapy, but I know a lot of people aren't for multiple yeah, they reasons. Have there's a yes. stigma of it. Like just, I like I said, I come from a Mexican family. When I remember being a kid and being telling my mom, "Hey, I think I need to go see a therapist," and she's saying, "No, you don't need a therapist. You just need more prayer and God." <laughs> so. And you're like, "Thanks, mom." Not yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah. that's like the first step is just realizing you need you need a therapist or help, mm-hmm. and I think dating someone with it like you just kind of have to wait until they come to that realization and then you could come in and start helping yeah it's like you got to support it when it happens (laughs) you have to wait until they're ready for it because the last thing you want to do is force them because that's good yes don't force people into therapy i don't i don't believe therapy will work for anyone if they're forced into it like, maybe, no. I don't know. I, I just feel like it's hard. If you don't want to be there, like, it's already so difficult to go to therapy. Because it's like yeah, most, it's like, how do you? They don't their minds. Their minds are not open and minds are not accepting everything, all the help. They're not yeah. ready to, to accept the help yet. Yeah. Because it's, it's hard. You just, like, have, it's a lot of looking at, it's not like blame, therapy isn't about blaming you, but you have to, like, take responsibility in it for shit that you didn't necessarily do you know it's like i didn't give myself depression um i didn't give myself this irrational fear of x y and z but it it's i have it i'm the one who has to deal with it you know (laughs) like i and that's really hard sometimes for people especially when there's like trauma involved like if someone did something to them like the fact that you have to take responsibility for what happens next can be hard because it feels like it feels like people are saying it's your fault you're like this but it's like no that's not what therapy's saying it's just saying like you unfortunately have to deal with the consequences even though you didn't give them to yourself yeah i mean at this yeah especially at this point it's more about trying to um trying to help the problem help help the what's happening instead of trying to figure out what what triggered it in the first place mm-hmm. is that what you're trying to say like yeah. yeah it's good to find out where it came from but it's better to have the tools of how to make it better yeah like well well yeah well because like how do i give an example like that's that is true and i think like, like, let's say for me, like, I like for me personally, it's like I have a lot of, like, I, I have PTSD because someone hurt me, you know, mm. um, and yeah. though that PTSD is not my fault, it is my responsibility 
to deal with it, to figure out how to cope with it. Um, yeah. Cause you can't no blame your, you can't blame that person for that problem. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like it's weird. Cause it's like, yes, I do blame you. But at the same time, it's like, I can't blame you anymore for what's happening after this, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, you suck and you did this awful thing to me. But if I'm the one who lets that affect how I treat other people, then that's on me now. You know, now that I'm older and like more aware. Yeah. And I think that's hard to accept because it's shitty. You know, it's like, well, why? Why do I like it? It seems unfair is what I feel like. Like, yeah, it feels like it's very unfair, but yeah, that's, that's, life is unfair. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it sucks, because it's like, well, what are you going to do, though? Like, the person who but, fucked you up isn't going to come back and try to unfuck you up. But the key <laughs> is just to, to, to actually do something instead of just letting it control your life after that. Yeah, yes, yes. Which, again, is really cool that you figured out to do that while you were younger, because, like, my family, my my Filipino family isn't about that either. They're not about mental illness either. And they did nothing. <laughs> I, did, I did nothing. I made it worse by doing nothing. I think I just had really good, um, first of all, my dance teacher was all about, like, you know, mental health as well. And um, just, just all together wellness and health. Mm -hmm. That's her biggest thing. So, like. She did a lot of yoga and a lot of meditation with us in class. And this is this is high school. Oh my gosh. When I told my parents that we we're doing meditation, they're like, it's the devil. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So like they were not all about it, but I always found meditation to be really helpful. Mm. Yeah. Practice, uh, practice yeah. self meditation and and it, it, it really it's hard. But it, the the rewards are just so fulfilling. Yes, I I hate I actually hate straight up meditation. Like I hate the version of meditation where it's just you sitting there and trying to listen to your breath. I hate that. Oh. But I know that you know practicing meditation and different mindfulness things are really helpful for like learning how to calm down your own mind and like control that. Um, but I do better with uh, guided meditation. Uh, okay, I see. Yeah, there's different types of meditation too. So like, find your own specific meditation. There's also meditation in repetition. So doing mm -hmm. something over and over, like a very simple, like stitching, that's very yeah. med meditative. Meditative. Um, cooking, it's very very calming. If you're cutting an onion over and over the same way, it becomes you get into that moment and you're in that body and you're you forget about everything else. That that to me is meditation. Just letting go of your mind mm. yeah yes i my favorite types of meditation is like honestly yoga because it's physical mm. and like i have to concentrate so like that's my favorite form of meditation oh yeah because yeah i'm just a more physical person yeah and everyone has their own different types of of meditation we're, we're very physical people yeah um Carl is completely opposite. I don't think it's meditation, more about how he relaxes. He likes to learn. 
So, and I've met people like that where they're they're off time. They're on online looking at you know videos about uh, just anything. He he can learn. He can he can win any trivia. I swear to God, he knows the weirdest information about the weirdest things. Like yesterday, he was watching videos about the Russian Revolution and <laughs> and like just like revolutions that happen around the world. And that's his downtime. Like documentaries are his downtime. Learning is his downtime. And I, I can't. When I, my downtime is completely shut, shutting everything off. You know what's funny? Joey's just like that. Joey loves documentaries, World War II, stuff like that. <laughs> he wants to sit and just like watch them and learn. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't. My brain's like, that's too much happening. Yeah, no, I need to watch mindless crap. <laughs> yes. or things that I've watched so many times I don't really need to pay attention yes. like that's how I need to recover <laughs> and and Carl hates that he doesn't like <laughs> watching things over and over like that I watch I love watching things over and over The Office, one of my all time yeah. favorites to watch over and over um, Friends Grey's Anatomy because I like the drama I can watch Grey's Anatomy over and over that's, that's too much crying for me <laughs> It works for me. I love it. I'm also just a big crier, though, and I find it cathartic. But I also am just a big crier. Joe, every time I watch something with Joey and it's a sad scene, he looks over to me to see if I'm crying. Because I am, like, 90% of the time. And, like, the 10%, I'm not crying. I'm like, what? <laughs> I got, like, defensive about it. But I'm like, I know. It's because I cry all the time. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, I have, a, I have another question for you, my sir, because I don't remember where we were, but we're moving on. <laughs> um, how, are there any boundaries that you set in your relationship that keep you from becoming a caretaker? Or are you just sometimes a caretaker? Um, so that's like a very, you do sometimes have to be a caretaker, but sometimes you let them figure out on their own kind of thing mm -hmm. so yeah it's you do play caretaker a few times but since i'm in a polyamorous relationship i i guess i'm a little lucky on that because there are two of us so you take turns we we take turns but i mean it's not just josh that has problems like if carl has a problem like we're both there for him mm -hmm. i don't see it as caretaking if you care about the person enough like a lot it's not a, a burden to take care of them first mm -hmm. oh um, maybe that's how i should rephrase my question is there anything you do so it doesn't feel like so that you being with josh and his anxiety issues doesn't become a burden oh I feel like maybe that's the better question. Like, how do you keep it from becoming that? Mm. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> I don't know. Mostly because I try not to see it as a burden. Like I said, you're the witness to their life, so really, their, their struggles are your struggles, too. Mm -hmm. So... It's not like when he's having something, I'm going, oh my God, 
we have to go through this again. It's more like, all right, we, we got this. We know what to do. We, we're a team. Mm-hmm. I never feel like it's never a burden or like caring. I have to like take care of him. Because in my head, I always go, he's also an adult. He if If he needs help, he will also ask me. Like I said, we're very communicative. We talk a lot, so if he's like, I need help, then he'll let me know. Okay, so maybe that's, like, part of it. And maybe also part of it is what you were saying. Like, you have Carl as well, so it's not just on one person. And I feel like maybe that can be really helpful, too, because, like, I always say to people, as many as people as you can get in your support system, like, that's good. Like, take... Take as many as you can that will actually, like, work for you. Because putting everything on one person is a lot. It's a lot. Oh, yeah, it is. Um, That's why I'm a big believer. I'm not trying to push everyone to do polyamorous relationships. (laughs) I'm not, like, you know, the spokesman of it or anything. But um, it is helpful having more than one person just because... I'm sorry, you cut out. You cut out. (laughs) Testing, one, two, three. A, B, C, D, E, F. Hello? It it went after. Did you stop singing after F? I kind of did. I started talking. Okay, okay. I I feel like you're maybe okay now. Let's try again. Okay. you're saying. And I totally forgot what I was saying after. I got A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Um, Sorry. Uh, um, How it's easier with Carl. Oh, yes, because there's two of us, so it's just, um, it's a whole team. It's a whole, um, you can't, like you were saying, you can't put everything on one person. And -hmm. I feel like being in a polyamorous relationship, that's very true because I don't believe that you could only have, share love with one person. Like, I have enough love to share with other people. And I have more, like, I don't want Josh to put all of his problems on me all the time, or I don't want same as Bruce, so I don't want to put all of his problems on him. Like, we have people to share these problems with. Like, even if your best friend, like if I have a problem with something that Josh can't help me with, I'm gonna go to a friend who could probably help me with that problem. He can't help me with everything, and I can't help him with everything. He can't fulfill everything that I, my satisfaction, and I can't do the same way. So why? only limit ourselves to what we could do for each other when there's other people out there in the world who could also help us in those situations. Get it? Yeah. No, for sure. Like, I believe that so much. And it's, I feel like it's so important too. Um, Cause sometimes you, you literally cannot be there for a person. You know what no. I mean? Like you just can't like say like, you're just in another country or you're like at work and it's like, and you cannot bail out. Like there is no one that's going to help you like leave work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like uh, we always say like, we're not, yeah, we're in a relationship, but this is a family more like a community mm-hmm. of people. together. Like we just love each other all the time. And it's people always think, Oh, it's all sexual between us three. And when then me and Carl never had sex. Oh, yeah. So it's yes. not sexual at all. It's literally a group of a family of family who care about each other a lot. So like when Carl's father passed away, Josh was at work, but I was here to help to support him. Yeah. Like, it's we're always helping each other out and there's always someone you could. Hello? I think that's sorry. Hello. I heard there's some there's someone you can. 
Oh, okay. I was just saying that there's always someone um around here to help, like to support you no matter what, and that I like that in this kind of relationship. Yeah, it sounds nice, and I feel like if you're not in a polyamorous relationship, you can still like grow your bench. You want a deep bench, like your friends, your family. If you don't have those, this is also why I'm also like, well, professional help can help because sometimes you don't have anyone and that sucks, but it's a reality, you know, like, but you need, you need people like in your life. Yes. Um, And I totally agree with like what you're saying, like, you know, your partner isn't going to have all the answers you need all the time just because they don't like, I would never go to Joey for like choreography advice no. i would like call you or someone you know what i mean like someone who just knows like, <laughs> like yeah, i'm not gonna and, I, and I think people that are in relationships like that tend to forget that like they only want to be around that person their whole life and only want to do things around them but like you can't that's it's like food. You need diversity. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just have protein. Your kidneys will die. Exactly. <laughs> Your kidneys will stop working. <laughs> um, they can't fit. Filter. Like imagine being that person and you're dating someone and that person relies on you for everything. That is very stressful for that person. <laughs> yes. That is so <laughs> stressful. You know, you don't want like me thinking about, you know, like if I'm the person with the mental health um, issues and I don't, I don't want to put that pressure on other people. Like I would never want my partner to feel that my, my happiness and health is up to him. Yeah. Cause that's too much. Like, holy shit. Like, no. That's, that, yeah, that, that's very intense and that's just too stressful and it's, there was a really famous quote, and I forgot how it was. It was, it was about um, this woman who has uh, this woman who has who's sharing a husband. She has a bunch of sister wives. I think they call them, I guess. But this, it wasn't the Mormon family thing. But she was just saying how she he can't be selfish and just have her husband for herself. I mean, it's not fair that he he not share his love with other people. And it sounds kind of like naughty because that just like sounds like the man is kind of being selfish because he's having for girls, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of women. But I could see her point of like, why limit myself with my love to just one person? Other people can experience my love, but in different ways. Like I have a love for you in a friendship way. I have a love. Everyone has different love for each person. So yeah. don't limit yourself to just one person in that way. Like, me and me and you could talk about dance for hours and I can't talk to Josh about dance for hours. He'll be like, <laughs> yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it happened yesterday. I started watching a bunch of poly um Palobolis videos oh, and I um, oh, and um, Amelia, the La 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 dance company up yeah. in Canada. I love those videos. But I was watching them and he just turns to look at my screen, goes back to his screen. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, like, we all need different people to satisfy our different needs in life. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I feel I, I feel like that is very, very true. And I also just feel 
and it's smarter. It's smart. It's smart to have more people in your life because you'll never know. And if you put everything on one person, it's like, well, what happens if that one person leaves for whatever, like various reasons, like in various ways, like, you know, people don't always stay in your life and that's really sad, but it's also a reality. So when you make one person your world, it's you are cutting yourself off from the rest of it. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And you're not, you're not getting the full fulfillment of what life has for you. Like this whole world has a lot for you, especially with like relationships. I find relationships very interesting. Like each person in my life has a different relationship. And yeah. I love that. And I, and I feel like, People need to experience that more. And that really does help with you being more open-minded and more diverse in general. Yeah, I believe that too. I feel like um, it, you know, I can understand how it can be really difficult meeting people who are very different than you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, it's like, but if you can sit and have a conversation with them, like, you'll just learn more. You'll learn how things just can be. And you don't, I don't know, I feel like it gets you past this wall where you're just like, well, life is supposed to be this, 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 and this, 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 because you were told that. But when you actually go into the world, it's just like, dude, the like life is not like that. Like, yeah. look at all this variation, like, in how mm. people live and how people are able to function. And even, yeah. like, how people suffer, and, like, that can be sad and stuff, but there can be something to learn from that, too. Um, yeah. Get out of your bubble, as I always say. Yes, get out of your bubbles. Uh, it's very comfortable. It's very comfortable in there, but there's a whole world out there. Yes, yes, it is true. It is true. There's a whole world. I remember when I was in a, I was in a really bad relationship before and I just, I don't know. I just wanted it. I wanted that thing where it was just like me and this person. Um, and I messed me up cause that person broke up with me. <laughs> so like, it, like I were hurt a lot, like after that relationship ended because I made myself so about this one person. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just messed up. I was super messed up. I was alone. I felt really alone. I wasn't alone, but I felt alone. But that's because I isolated myself. Um, yeah. And I felt I did not know where to go. Well, it, you, when you build somebody up that high in your life, and they leave, like, your whole floor just goes away. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I almost did that with someone. But I think it was my best friend Ale who like broke me out of it. You know, you know Ale. I do. We also <laughs> danced together. That time yeah. where we didn't realize we were dancing together. <laughs> That's a whole different story. It's <laughs> a whole different story. Um, I she broke me out of it by like saying something really stupid. I don't remember what it was, but it was like something like you would say to your friend in this stupid way, like just like I think it was something like in the lines of like. Shut the fuck up, you're being dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and that, like, really, like, hit me for some reason. I'm like, oh, my God, I am being really stupid right now. Why am I crying over this one guy when I have, like, Ale, who is, like, a way better friend? 
person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Those, the, the painful words of wisdom for your friends that were sometimes right. it's like, oh, no, I needed that. Sometimes, yeah, like I get that because I'm also a person who sometimes needs that little, sometimes I need tough love. Uh, right. Not everyone responds well to tough love, and I understand that too, but I am a person who's just like, sometimes it's like, yeah, you just need to tell me when I'm being stupid. Or like, because it's just like, I tunnel vision, man. Tunnel vision is real. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tunnel see vision. One thing, and then someone needs to just be like, get out of that. Like, this is, you're literally only looking like this into this small hole. Like, you need to, like, look around, girl, move your head. <laughs> I do that with Josh all the time because he does get into a tunnel vision. And sometimes mm. I know that tunnel vision is going to cause an anxiety of some sort. Mm, yes, yes, <clears throat> yes. That's one of those things that I can see the triggers happening. Like I can see in his his eyes, like he's thinking about something. And it's funny because I can usually kind of figure out what it is by like our conversation an hour before that, or if it was watching a video of some sort. Mm-hmm. And I could be like, hmm, I wonder if that's going to stick to his brain. And then, like, an hour later, I see him thinking in his head. I'm like, that probably stuck to his brain. And so I, I try to break that thought of his some way. Like, I always say it's, like, being goofy or something or like running around naked. Yeah. Wait, what? Some, <laughs> Wait, what did you say? Run around naked, you know. Trigger, oh, okay. Trigger him. <laughs> Just be something that random. Okay, yeah. yeah. Random does work. Random, like... You know when you're trying to, like, console people because, like, you know, they like a breakup just happened or something? Sometimes being random can be, like, the best, the best oh, thing yeah. you could do because they're so, like, random takes them out of their feeling. <laughs> they don't, yeah. you know, and they're just like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> kind of resets your brain. Like, if you ever, um, if you ever, like, thought of an, uh, of an idea for such a long time and then, like, you're working on this project and you just can't get over this one problem mm-hmm. you take that break that 10 minute walk and you come back to it your brain resets and i think that's what i try to do is um the randomness is setting the brain putting it into a different state using the left brain or the right brain instead for a second and then going back and it does help it sounds helpful it sounds helpful it, i i mean like i get it because i've used that tactic to like I haven't run around naked for people, but I definitely will just start doing something random. <laughs> you, should, you should try it. It's fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> um, I, I actually have a question I'm, I'm for you, and I'm very, I'm very curious to what your answer will be, even though it's not like a super surprising question. But... Um, what advice would you give to people, like say they're in a relationship with someone suffering from a mental illness and it's like, it's too much or like they can't do it. Like either like they're just not equipped for this and these might be different questions. Like they're just not equipped for this or maybe the person with mental illness is starting to hurt them, but they feel mm-hmm. guilty and they don't want to leave. Like, so I guess... Yeah. How do you, how, like, how do you feel about those situations? Cause I feel like that happens a lot where people feel like they also can't leave cause they just like feel bad. Yeah. And I, it's really toxic now for both of them. Yeah. Because I, I don't, that's a tough one because you don't want to break up with them, but you kind of have to, if they're kind of making you toxic as well, like it's, 
sad, but your your happiness is also very. I'm sorry, you cut off. I was just saying, like your happiness is also very important, as well. So it is something that you're gonna have to really talk to yourself about and see what the next step is gonna be. That's a very one. That's a very personal question you have to ask yourself. Can I handle this person's mental issue? And if it's a yes, then you know you you work on it with them. If it's a no, then that's then you have a really hard decision after that. Yeah. Because I feel and, it. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and that's that sucks, but that's life. That's what life is, is making those tough decisions. And you never know. Maybe that breaking up with them would make them help, make them like, you know, I need to find help. Then. Hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully it goes hopefully. that way. I'm just, um, you know. I'm not saying break up with them or anything, but I'm just saying really have a deep, have a really hard talk to yourself about it yeah because then sometimes i also feel like the question is all can also be like should i also be helping this person because it's like you have to like like ramon said like it's important to think about your own happiness too and your safety like if yeah. you if you are dating someone and they're harmful to you whether it's physical or verbal like no you shouldn't have to take that like and if they're that way because they have a mental illness that's sad um and you can you know you can do what you can but also it's like you got to be safe yourself first you know maybe the answer yeah. is like help from a distance or like, or sometimes the answer, unfortunately, is sometimes like, yeah, sometimes you might have to leave. Like you don't, just because someone else is suffering, it doesn't mean you have to suffer too. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. And it's, and I know it's, it can be so hard, you know, like when you love someone um, and you know, you, you're, you're sympathetic or empathic, empathetic with them and you know that they've just had a hard life. But it's just like you have to know that just because they're suffering, like it doesn't give them the right to make you suffer. Yeah. Like you can't, you shouldn't have to stay just because like you know that they're suffering from a mental illness. I mean, and you're always, always, always going to care for that person no matter what. I, I still love all my exes and I still think about them once in a while, but... You could always care from a distance, too, like you said. Yeah. Because it's just... I feel like that's such, like, a boundary thing where it's really easy to... I think it can be really easy for some people to be, like, a significant other and then become a caretaker in the context where that's what they are now. They aren't a significant other anymore. They've just become someone's caretaker. Mm. And they're just being taken advantage of. And I'm not saying that maybe the other person even means to take advantage of you, but it's really easy to get into a situation where you start to ignore your own mental health because you're Pattern. so busy. Yeah. Cause you're so busy with <laughs> someone else's like, yeah, it's so, and yes. And it's so easy to pattern that I patterned that into my dating 
damn it. <laughs> it was not great. Like, and yeah, it's not great. <laughs> Let me say that. <laughs> I'll end it with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, your relationship with Josh sounds like, it sounds like you guys like empower each other to move forward and do better. Well, yeah, I think we really, really rely on each other. We we lean on each other a lot, especially all three of us. We mm-hmm. we all bring something to this relationship, and we also all we also bring some kind of our own problems into this relationship. As we all do. Good. As we if, all do. Just always be open minded and always accept the other person. Yeah. I just how do you feel how do you feel about people who just like they just don't want to deal? Like say like you go on a date, you have a first date with someone and they're like, I have mad depression. And then they're just like, Okay, well then I don't want to date you. How do you feel about that? How do you feel that about that kind of situation? Honestly, I give props to that person saying I don't want to date this person because obviously they already know what they want. <laughs> and they're being everyone's being honest in that situation. So it's better because if she goes, huh, let me see how this works. And then like a year later, dedicating all that energy and time into that relationship and saying, you know what, I can't do this when she kind of knew in the beginning of it. Eh. And I say she because I just added a she, she or he. Um, but, hello? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, no, I was just making sure I didn't cut out again. But, I mean, she was, they were honest in the beginning. I can't handle this. Bye. I kind of, I kind of like that. That puts everyone's in the, on the right page, on the same page. We're on the same page here. You can't handle this? Okay, bye. Yeah, I'm kind of of the same mind because I'm just like, even though that's hurtful, like, of course it's going to hurt. Like, that rejection, ouch ouch um you know and i know why but, some... it, but it'll hurt more a year later yeah it, hurt, it it will it will it will hurt later if you know you you're just you just even if it's like you just don't want to you should tell someone that even though it's hurtful because that is better that is less hurtful yeah. than just knowing that you can't handle it and never really accepting it's happening and then yeah. trying to go on with life and then like breaking up with them later because you're like, oh, this was real. I don't want to do this anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you're just like, what yeah. do you mean? It was always real. <laughs> like, well, and then sometimes you do go into a relationship and you they tell you, I am, I have, I'm fighting depression. And you go, okay. But then you don't realize how bad it is until way later. Mm-hmm. Like, you still have to tell them right then and there if you're okay with this or not. Yeah. It's really it's hard. It's, it's hard to be honest with someone and with yourself. I, find, I, I realize that people don't like to be honest with themselves. Yeah, especially when it comes to um, love and romantic relationships. I lied to myself all willy-nilly. Like, <laughs> I just did. And it's really hard because, you know, um, well, I had the problem of, like, I didn't want to be alone. You know, like I needed someone like I had that issue forever. And so I was yeah. willing to accept anybody. Uh, really? Yeah. 
And whereas me, whereas me, I always had abandonment issues. So like my first relationship, I was make like I thought it was gonna be like fairy tale and perfect and everything. We had our first fight, and we broke up, and that didn't help my abandonment issue. But then after that, I saw every relationship as a temporary thing. Mm-hmm. As much, which is kind of interesting because when me and Josh met, I had the same mentality. I'm like, okay, obviously I'm not gonna invest into this as much, but something it just grew into a whole different thing. Yeah, it did. It totally did. I was not. I did not plan this at all. And it's beautiful. And it's Sorry. beautiful. I love it. It works perfectly. Yeah. It's, yeah. Also, just so you know, I'm going to have Ramon back to do a whole episode about polyamorous relationships. Because yes. a lot of people don't understand what they are, and they just think it's like orgy time. No. <laughs> and that's what no. it's about. And it's just like, no. no. I'm still waiting for the orgy, though. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, but I feel like from listening to you for this whole time, I feel like, yeah, communication is kind of like the big thing, like from the start of relationship, like into it, like whether in the beginning it's saying whether or not you can handle this, or maybe in the beginning saying whether or not you like have a mental illness or something you live with, like is important. And then being vocal about it and sharing so that your partner knows what is happening? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there and there are moments where, like, I know Josh, he can't verbally say what the problem is. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, communication, but also time. Giving them time to come down from their anxiety or giving, the, or giving them time to collect their thoughts, let's say. Yes. So, yeah, I think um, communication and patience. Yes. I think that's important too. I think you're completely right. Um, And I know I'm not a very patient person. Like I am, but I'm not. Uh, But it's true because, you know, if you want to talk to someone, like, you know, if you want to talk to someone about their triggers, about what they're feeling and stuff, like they might not know off the bat. Like that's very real. And so like, just like what Ramon said, like having patience, like, they might, you might need to give them a day, you know, it, the conversation might go like, hey, I'm really struggling with dealing with like your triggers and not knowing how to cope with them and handling them. And I don't really know what you're feeling and what you think my place in all of this should be. And, you know, that's a lot. So maybe you lay it out and then you give them time because they might not know. And it's, I mean, being, being in a relationship and having mental illness can be really hard too. Cause then you also just, you start there's, it's just so easily, it's so easy to put yourself down in it and just keep saying to yourself like, Oh, I'm not even worthy of this relationship. And then you're just worrying the whole time about someone else leaving you. Like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Like those ruminating awful negative thoughts can get in the way So being patient and finding how to say things as respectfully as possible. You don't need to lie or sugarcoat. It doesn't necessarily need to be that. 
but just making sure that you're putting things in a not ultimatum way or a not yeah. threatening way, especially if you're not, but just like think about your words a little bit. You know, you can say, you could like say the thing that I said, like I can start off with saying like, oh, you know, like I love you and I'm here for you, um, but I just need more information, you know, yeah. so that they and know. The, the big thing you started off with that too is using the I and the me you you have this anxiety of what is your problem with this like what do you do like you were saying it's like i feel like i want to help but i don't know what to do always use the eyes and the me's and those kind of oh yes because it comes off better because the other way where it's just like you keep having anxiety attacks you um you do this 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 and you won't tell me blah 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 and it's just like, you got to think about how you're saying that. Cause it, you know, and honestly, mm -hmm. maybe we should have a whole podcast about how to communicate with your partner. Yeah. Oh my God. That would be <laughs> helpful. Um, because it's, it's really easy for, to blame other people. And it's also really easy to take, take things like people are blaming you even when they're not. So it's a big yeah. give and take between like though, knowing that those two things are real. Yeah. <laughs> And to know, you know, like, there are things people get defensive about, or they get really, it's not even defensive, but like very maybe intense about, because they might be afraid of like abandonment issues, or they might be afraid um, just because maybe they've never had a successful relationship before, you know, like, maybe, yeah, so you have to think about how you're going to approach your significant other about how you feel in the situation and what you're feeling when you're with them. Cause you like, you get to say something, you're a partner, you know what I mean? You're in a relationship, like you get a say, it's just, you have to figure out how to get that say in <laughs> yeah. like how to say it and not feel like you're threatening to leave or Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just said it's a two-way street. You got, yes. you, you can say something too. Yes, you can say something too. You know, you got to be able to speak your piece about things and not just let things devolve into random mush and then all of a sudden someone breaks up with you and you think it's random, but it's not really random. <laughs> Gosh, and that's a whole cycle on its own. Yeah, that is a whole... Oh, God. I'm trying to imagine being broken up with and not being told why like that would that would mess with me after a while oh that would mess with me that would mess with me because i would automatically like i used to be so afraid that i would never be in a relationship because i was so depressed i was just like i'm too sad i'm too sad for anyone to love me and i believed that for like the longest time because it felt so real yeah i could see that i just felt it was shitty. It was a crappy way to feel. Um, but you found help and support. I did. I did find help and support. And it was very, very, it was a very good, long, difficult process. <laughs> Just literally that reaching out for help, that, that one little step. I love Ramon. He's the best. And guess what? 
you can find him on Twitch now, which is where I originally recorded this podcast years ago. His handle is Fond Cooking, F-O-N-D-C-O-O-K-I-N-G, no spaces. Ramon is a wonderful chef, so you should go check him out. So thank you, Ramon, and thank you everyone here for listening. And until next time, take care of yourself so you're ready when it's your time to duck. Later.